0: Welcome back to the podcast. This is Charlotte Creative and Technical Director here at Evidence for Faith, and we are winding down our Messianic Prophecy series and our season one. I know I keep saying that every week, but we are getting really close to the end here. So as always, this broadcast is supported by listeners just like you. If you'd like to help support this broadcast and keep it free, you can become a donor at evidenceforfaith.org give. That's evidence, the number four, faith.org slash give. And with that, here is Michael Lane and the Road to Emmaus, Messianic Prophecies of the Old Testament Session
1: 20. Hello and welcome to Evidence for Faith as we continue in our study, The Road to Emmaus, Major Messianic Prophecies of the Old Testament. Concerning the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And what we've been covering as we've been going through these lessons uh, are Old Testament prophecies, again, written hundreds of years prior to Jesus' ministry on earth as he came as a suffering Messiah, and how he fulfilled these. It's it's absolutely remarkable. It's what we've been seeing. And as we're going on today, we're going to be uh, doing the book of Jeremiah. Yes, we're going to finish the whole book of Jeremiah, uh, God willing, in this one little lesson here. Because there's not a whole lot in here. There's a few major messianic prophecies. or some minor ones. We're not covering those. We're looking at the major ones. But there are a few messianic prophecies that are in here. And actually, in most cases, these are repeats of ones that have already been touched on in books prior. But um, as we get into this, we're going to be, as we've been going along, uh, just to let you know, primarily using the English Standard Version, which is a word-for-word translation, and so we're trying to keep into the words of things. But um, also what we're doing is I'm numbering each one of these, and today we're starting with number 65. So as the series has been progressing, we're at the 65th prophecy, and it's from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 23, and it's verses 5 and 6. And again, this is going to be something that we've seen Um, A lot of this we've seen before, but I want to point something really interesting out to you in this one. This is really cool. um, What's going to happen here that I'm going to explain? So Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 5 and 6, and I'm entitling this the branch of David, the branch of David. Yes, I know we've. Already seen so many different other titles very similar to this one from the Messiah being of the lineage of David. Well, this one continues. So here we go. And it reads Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah Will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called, the Lord is our righteousness. Now, there's the passage. And as we've said, we've already come across numerous times in other books uh, frequently that the uh, Messiah would be a descendant of David. But this was chapter 23. I want to go back a little bit and read something prior now. Um, dealing with this prophecy. A supposed problem um, that many critics say is a contradiction um, in the Bible and uh, in the prophecies. And it is serious enough that uh, skeptics who are well-read have studied the Bible carefully just to try and find problems in it. This is one that has come up. And it's talking about the genealogies is what i'm talking about since we're talking about the line of david starting with david there is a problem about these prophecies there is and i remember the first time i came across this when i was in high school and i saw this out of jeremiah chapter 22 verse 30 i i came across something that really messed up uh, my thinking for a long time and i mean a long time um this went on you see um it's dealing with the genealogy of the messiah now we're just just bear with me here because this is important because uh, though i often don't get this from critics because they they don't know about this supposed problem as they show it's not a problem i'm going to show you the solution to this but to me for a long time this was a problem that i could not really come to grips with as we've already seen Numerous times, the Messiah is gonna be in the line of David. David is you know, the king, the kingship line. So we have David, Rehobo- uh, Solomon, Rehoboam, and it just keeps going. Jehoshaphat, uh, Joash, and moves on down. Josiah, Hezekiah, Manasseh, Ahaz, all these things. Jotham and all these. And so the Messiah, uh, apparently, from what we've been seeing, comes from this line. But when you get to the genealogies of Jesus, like at Christmas time, we sometimes look at these. And you look at the genealogy in Scripture of the lineage of Jesus, you see something fascinating. Now, one, there's two of them. One is in the book of Matthew, one is in Luke. In Matthew, it's the first 17 verses, chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. Then you go over to Luke, chapter 3, in verses 23, and they go all the way to 38. So we have two genealogies, and they're not the same they're not the same um you're going to see and this is what critics often point out there's a contradiction um that seems to be in here and i've had this for people have asked me questions on this high school and college and even adults at times this one's pretty easy to answer uh the the very superficial contradiction appearing here but it's not a contradiction when you understand what's going on but if you take a close look Um, Matthew begins his genealogy with Abraham, who was the first Hebrew. And he follows the line from Abraham to David. No problem here. Then from David, you get, it goes all the way to Joseph's family. And that's that one. But now Luke is a little bit different. Luke begins his genealogy um, with Jesus, and he goes the opposite direction. He goes back in time, starting with Jesus, and he goes back all the way um, to David, and then to Abraham, and all the way to Adam, the first man, and so showing that the Messiah would be of the human race. Um, Matthew is showing he will be a Hebrew. Um Matthew, or Matthew showing he's going to be Hebrew, where Luke is showing that he will also be human. He's a descendant of Adam, the first human. But that's not the contradiction. See, we haven't hit it yet. I want you to notice something. Um, in Matthew, and in Matthew chapter 1, you get the verse 16, and it reads really interesting here, that in Matthew chapter 1, verse 16, it reads um and jacob the father of joseph the husband of mary of whom jesus was born is called the christ now this is talking about of course joseph um and and jesus and it mentions mary here our christmas story as we have it but there's a problem here with this and um because according to what we've been seeing, Jesus, we've mentioned this numerous times, Jesus has the right to rule, the right to be king, because he's of the descendancy of David. And so we see that. And because he is a descendant of the king, David, and, and everything, he has the right to rule. Thus, Jesus is the rightful king, it appears. So, from this, from the Matthew account, it appears here. But, now here's where it gets a little tricky. This is where people have the problem. It's because of something recorded in chapter 22. Now, we just read chapter 23 of Messianic Prophecy. But if you go back just a few verses, you get to chapter 22, and and it's actually the last verse of this passage and records something terrible. It reads, "'Thus says the Lord, "'Write this man down as childless, "'a man who shall not succeed in his days, "'for none of his offspring shall succeed "'in sitting on the throne of David "'and ruling in Judah.'" Okay, who's this being talked about? Well, it says in verse 28, Coniah, which is another name for a guy named uh, Jeconiah. And sometimes re- he's referred to in Scripture also as Jehoiakim, the king. This is a descendant of David. Jehoiakim is a descendant of King David in the king's line. But here we read, because um this king was so evil and the kings right before him Manasseh and stuff were so evil god made a curse on the kings of david on his on the line yes now here's you see where the problem is now god has been saying frequently in scripture through different prophets that the messiah would be of the lineage of king david yet here he is making a statement that Jehoiakim, David's ancestor, or David's descendant, Jesus appears to be his uh ans- um, or his um, in, in the line from him, the ancestor of him, he is saying that the um, none of his descendants are going to ever succeed and rule in Judah. So this is a really serious problem. Um, God meant business on this guy, Jeokini, um, Jeokini, Je, Jeconiah, um, this king. And he's saying he's going to be childless. And he will be the last king. Literally, this is what it's saying. He will be the last king in David's line. And um, he was succeeded on the throne, but not by one of his sons. It's his uncle, Zedekiah. Now this is actually talked about in the history writings in second kings chapter twenty four verse seventeen Zedekiah's reign thus marked the end of Judah as king. so we have a serious problem here because it appears that Jeremiah's prophecy that we just read before uh, number sixty five here that he that the Messiah will be in the line of David seems to be contradicted by this curse in chapter 22, that no descendant of King David's uh, great-great-great-great-great-grandson, Jeokina, will ever sit on the throne and will never succeed as king. So skeptics occasionally pull this up. And they say, see, you got a contradiction here, because Jesus cannot be the Messiah, because he's um, in in the line once uh, Jeokinah becomes the king, he's a bad king, and God curses him and says, no longer will his descendants be the king of Judah but so many times before like over a dozen times we have read now that jesus the messiah when he comes will be a descendant of the kings of david uh in in his lineage so there's a real serious problem here and jeremiah's prophecy is actually fulfilled this it really does happen now the the problem is here because god cannot change his mind god never changes Everything that he speaks is based upon his character, which is perfect, and as it says in scripture, God cannot be deceitful god God cannot lie. So if God says that the the Messiah is going to be uh, from the king kingly line of David, but then he says the last king that that sat on the throne as a descendant of Je- of, of David, Jehochina, he says his lineage is going to stop, no longer will there be any king. Now, as I said, this frustrated me when I was in high school and I came across this. And I sat trying to figure this out. I went to different people, trying different uh, men of God that I respected, and asking them for an explanation. And I never got a really good explanation of this. Um, I kid you not. I I didn't. One night I was um, riding in a car, and I was listening to a um, Christian radio. I was listening to a Bible program, and they had a call in. And a person called in and actually brought up this problem. That how can Jesus be the Messiah if he's a descendant of King Jehochina, but God had said there's a curse on this line that nobody can be uh, a king after uh, Jehochina. So Jesus, how can he still be the king then? How can he be the the Messiah, the king, if God made this... this um, this curse upon this line, and what's funny is you see this in this chapter. You just go a couple of verses and you get to God again saying that he the Messiah will be in the line of David, so there seems to be major contradiction here. so as I listened to the radio, I mean, I sort of sat up and uh, from my slouching position and I was like focused on the answer what are these these Bible teachers going to answer as this guy called in, and they stumbled around to be honest, they stumbled around this so much that Um, they thought they had answered the guy's question. Matter of fact, even at one point says, does this answer your question? And he replied, the caller replied, no, you didn't explain the the answer to this because God's word in Jeremiah chapter 22 says that Jeokinah's descendants can no longer be king, yet we have in... in uh, prophecies and the very next chapter it says that he will be a descendant of king david and sit on david's throne so how can this be and again they fumbled around but they never gave a good answer to the thing and finally um the program ended and the guy never did get his answer and i'm sitting here you know holding my grip on the steering wheel shouting come on answer the question!" Well, it took a while, but I finally, in studying Scripture, I came across the answer to this. Um, and it took me a while to get it, but actually, it's so simple. How did I not see this before? So, this has to do with legality. Because, as it says in Matthew, you have to look at the wording of Matthew, um, chapter 1, verse uh, starting at verse 12, you'll notice it says, After the deportation to Babylon, Janokina was the father of, then uh, Shetiel, and then Shetiel, the father of, and you keep going, it says the father of, the father of, the father of, the father of. You get down to verse uh, 16, and it says, and Jacob, the father of Joseph. Here it is again. But then it says something interesting. The husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, is called the Christ. It says the husband of Mary. Now that's, important. Because, as we all know, Jesus is not the biological son of Joseph. He is the biological son of Mary, thus Luke's account makes perfect sense, but he's not the biological son of Joseph. Now, many critics, and there are actually some some cults that talk, um, teach false things about jesus and they say that joseph was his biological father no it's not this is actually stating that in verse 16 it's saying this it's saying that um, joseph is uh, um, the father but it, it, it mentions that uh well it says looking at it again jacob the father of joseph the husband of mary it does not say that joseph is the father of Jesus no it doesn't say that it says and this is very weird because everything else you saw the father of the father of the father of Jacob that was Joseph's um, dad Jacob the father of Joseph the husband of Mary so we see whoa it changed wording and it did this because that's exactly what happened and because of this curse you understand Jesus is in the line of David. We get this through Mary and his, her genealogy. But the problem is Jeokina was the rightful king of Judah up into the deportation by the Babylonians. Then um, his uncle is put into place. He's removed from the throne, and his uncle is put in place instead. But um, what happens is this. This is how this is all figured out and how this works. You see, Joseph adopts Jesus. Remember, he is not the father. Matter of fact, Joseph was really all puzzled about this in the Christmas story, if you'll recall. He was thinking of divorcing Mary, uh, but he wanted to do it quietly. He didn't want to embarrass her. And he was thinking about this, and the angel Gabriel appeared to him and says, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your bride, your wife, because what's conceived of her is from the Holy Spirit. Not from you, not from somebody else, some other man walking around. She, she's not an adulteress or anything. That's not what happened. She wasn't raped. She isn't carrying, you know, some secret little sexual affair going on. No, this is from the Holy Spirit, and Mary. Thus, Joseph doesn't divorce her. He goes ahead. Uh, and finishes the marriage she's already greatly pregnant as we know Um, so he has and it says he had no relations no sexual relations with mary and so she gives birth um, and which would be her first son now joseph in the meantime does what he marries mary he adopts legally adopts is what he would do adopts the son Jesus raises him as his own he's called the son of Joseph so he has been adopted into Joseph's actual line though they are not blood related not genetically related they're not Uh, through Joseph to Jesus there's no blood relation there's no genetics passed from one to the other because Joseph is not his father but he adopts him thus by adopting he then, Jesus, is given the legal rights because of the adoption. He gets the legal rights of Joseph's um, descendancy. So when Joseph dies and everything, he is, um, he is like, as we put it this way, he's put into the will. He, he gets the legal rights because he's an adopted member of the family, officially adopted. And so he gets the right, though they're not blood relatives. We see this a lot today where people will adopt some child. I have many friends that have adopted someone and they have um, this child that they have is um, legally set before courts and stuff like this. There's legal documents proving that they are inheriting from um, this father, even though that father is not their biological father. So we see this frequently and that's what's mentioned here, the same thing. So we have two genealogies. And Matthew is giving us David's genealogy and the line of the kings. But the king's end with Jeokina. That's David's lineage. And he then, it doesn't say that he is childless. He just, none of his children is talking about will ever sit on the throne. And they never did. Mary, on the other hand, that's different. Her genealogy also goes, if you follow it in Luke, Chapter uh, 3, verses 23 through 38, you will see she, too, is a descendant in direct line, blood relation to David. But not through the kings, not through Solomon, but through uh, David's son, Nathan. Thus, because of this, he is still in the blood line to be the king of Judah because he is a descendant of David but um, because of that because of that fact right there alone that's why Mary's genealogy is different than Matthew's is to show that Jesus is a descendant of Jesus and the rightful of David and is the rightful um, recipient of the throne of which he is so the prophecy that was mentioned uh, that we've been seeing all along still succeeds Because it says um, that Jesus, we've been seeing, Jesus will be in the line of David. Jesus will be in the line of David. Jesus will be of the branch of David. And what we just saw here just a a moment ago, as it says, um, I will raise up for David a righteous branch. We can see this is what's taking place. So the Messiah had to come from the royal lineage of David. And the thing is, he couldn't be from a descendant of Jehochina. He couldn't be. Um, So, that's how this all works, and that's the answer to it. I mean, this is absolutely brilliant, how God brilliantly uh, put together and designed a plan for the Virgin Mary, a descendant, blood-direct descendant of David, to give birth, the Holy Spirit being the Father, and to give birth, yet it is in the line— Joseph legally is in the line of the kings. He adopts the Messiah, Jesus, thus he is legally allowed to be the king because of this adoption. But he also has the blood line, the genetics from David. The genealogy goes directly to Jesus from not just Mary, but also um, well legally through David, uh, through uh, Joseph, but genetically through Mary. So it's a br- absolutely brilliant plan um, that we see here. So Jesus was not the bloodline of Joseph. Um, he is the bloodline of David, though, because of Mary through David's son, Nathan. So that 's the answer to this. Um, I just find it so fascinating. as a matter of fact, if you get into the Greek on this whole thing too, when it's talking about Mary giving birth, Mary is used in the feminine uh, singular uh, feminine singulars in the text. Um, don't have children unless it's a miraculous thing. And even the way that this is set up in the Greek is talking about Jesus' birth as a miracle. He doesn't have a human biological father, but yet he is adopted into the line of what would be the king and was the kings of Judah. But He's not blood-related that way. He is legally adopted, thus he claims it that way. He claims his blood right from Mary. So that's what that's talking about. Now, that's the answer to this major dilemma, like I say. I've spent here about 24 minutes on this. But this I struggled so long trying to find the answer to this. And even asking certain pastors and stuff in, in latter high school and things, and even in college, I, I never got a really good answer to this. Um, people just gave me certain things, but it didn't all make sense. And I hope I've made this clear to you. If not, please comment. I'll try and get back to you. Um, You know, you can send an email or contact us or something if I've uh, fumbled it up and made it even more confusing to you. But I hope now we have this all clear. Now let's go back to the 65th prophecy here. I want to read it once more because it's been a moment here. Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king, and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called, the Lord is our righteousness. Now, actually, there's nine distinct, nine distinct messianic facts here that we see in this prophecy by Jeremiah. And very quickly, they're very easy to understand as we go through these. Number one, the Messiah will be, as it says, a righteous branch. He will be the the king of righteousness, the, the righteous branch. And Jesus was the righteous branch. He never sinned. He's the righteous branch. Branch is referring to David's lineage, and we just explained. He gets that legally through Joseph, but by genetics through Mary. Two, it says the Messiah will be a king. He can be a king because he's in adopted by Joseph, who is in direct line with the kingship. Thus, he can be the king, and he is the king. He's called the king of kings, and he is reigning to this day. Third, it says the Messiah will reign wisely. Wisely is also the same word used in Hebrew. The word is sakal, and it's the same word that's used for successful. And so he will reign wisely. And Jesus was wise. His teachings and stuff are so wise. He he was brilliant in, in the way he did things. And he was very successful as he taught. He was a master teacher. Uh, I remember years ago having to make a short speech. Oh, this was years ago. This was back in around 1996. And I was speaking in front of a bunch, a, a very large group of teachers. And I was... Uh, Actually, what I was doing is I was accepting a teaching award and I had to make a speech in front of um, all these teachers. And one of the comments that I made was, you know, I I don't claim to be the best teacher or anything. I never do claim to be the best teacher. What I did many, many years ago is I modeled some of my teaching um, skills and stuff off of studying how Jesus was a master teacher. Those of you who have sat underneath me or you follow some of these podcasts, you know I go off on little tangents and tell stories at times. Jesus did this frequently. So um, he was very wise, very successful. The fourth one, it says here that he will be just. He will will execute justice. He's going to be a just God. And he was when he came. And when he comes again, he will be a judge when he comes the next time with justice. It says that he will reign. um, His reign will be... Uh, with righteousness, and he is. He's totally holy. He is holy God. He never sinned. Number six, he will unite Judah and Israel. Now, this one's really interesting because one way you can interpret this, Judah and Israel, the northern kingdom Israel was dispersed by the Assyrians, and and, um, the Assyrians brought in a bunch of Gentiles and had them enter marry with the people. Thus, the Jews never considered them Jews after this. Um, and so it's sort of like, in a way, they were sort of like Gentiles. And so this can be interpreted to be both Jew and Gentile, which is what Jesus has done. He has united Jew and Gentile. As a matter of fact, uh, the first evangelist in the Bible was a Samaritan. She was not totally Jewish. She's a Samaritan. Jesus even ministered to a, um, a Phoenician woman, a Sidonian. Uh, Jesus was working with both, though salvation had to come from the Jews first, and he is Jewish. Um, I worship a Jewish Messiah, but he also united the Gentiles together, and that's what today we have the Church. And the seventh part on this thing, we read it says that he, uh, Judah, will be saved. He does save the Messiah. Does save? I mean. I'm saved because of the Messiah. I'm born again, or born from above, a better way of phrasing it, because of the Messiah. Jesus does save. How many hymns do we have that uh, statement? And he will allow some, this is number eight, he will allow some to live in safety from Satan. Now this one is puzzling in a way, um, and it's it's difficult for anybody to understand because God does allow his church, um, his believers, and sometimes to go through uh, terrible persecution. Uh, I think back to the early church um in the 1st century there were many of them martyred Paul Peter uh, almost all of the disciples were were martyred except for John um even though he was tortured and you get into the um, the 2nd century and the followers of Jesus uh, were were tortured you have terrible terrible Caesars uh Nero Diocletian uh, Marcus Aurelius, and others who persecuted Christians terribly. But that is nothing compared to what's going on today. It's If you have never been persecuted for your faith, if you have never, and, and I'll tell you, many people have, have gone through their life never being persecuted, God has protected them from that. And that's great. He does uh, allow some to live in total safety. Others, though, he lets them be persecuted. There's a wonderful organization, Voice of the Martyrs, that talks about and and is all based upon the church being persecuted all around the world. Many countries, uh, India, uh, Pakistan, North Korea, China, and others, too many to list here, uh, that persecute Christians terribly. And we have never, here's, here's the thing, God never promised us Christians that we would ever be exempt from Satan's persecutions. I mean, the the history of the early church, it was constantly being persecuted by Satan and his agents, these Caesars and others. Throughout history, it's been like that. God has never preserved us from Satan's wrath. We are preserved from God's wrath. That's the cool thing about being saved. We do not see God's wrath if we are born again Christians. It's sad. Those who are not born again, When they face God and and Jesus, when he comes again to judgment, um, they will see and experience God's wrath. I have no fear of that because I have peace with my Lord Jesus Christ. I have peace with God through him. So that's what this is talking about. Some of his followers will be able to live in safety. It's God's providence on how this works. I cannot explain it. Nobody can. But others, he allows them to be persecuted for his own glory. And then the ninth one that you see in this passage, he's called uh, the Lord is our righteousness. And he is, God is, the Lord is righteous. The Messiah is righteous. So that's number 65. We went a long way around the barn in a lot of parts on this thing uh, to get it all out. But we're um, going to move on to number 66 now. And this is prophecy number 66. We're still in Jeremiah. That's what we're doing today. And in Jeremiah chapter 30, actually, there's two passages in this one chapter one is in verse 9 one is in verse 21 but let's take a look first of all at verse 9 since it comes first numerically jeremiah 30 verse 9 is talking about um, the ruling messiah the ruling messiah and that's our title for this one and in this let me read what we have here in Jeremiah, chapter 30, verse 9. But they shall serve the Lord their God and David their king, whom I will raise up. Here again, what do we see? God saying the Messiah comes from the line of David. Now we can, we can see how this happens, though, because of the problem we went through before. So we see that. But also, you get to verse 21 of the same chapter. It reads, Their prince shall be one of themselves. Their ruler shall come out of their midst. I will make him draw near, and he shall approach me, for who would dare of himself to approach me, um, declares the Lord. Now, like I say, in verse 9, we just saw the Messiah is going to be from the lineage of David again, David's rule, et cetera, et cetera. But here we're going to see something else about this ruler, and it's talking about this ruler comes from out of their midst. It will be one of themselves, it says. This is important. Let me, let me just read that first verse, uh, or the first part of verse 21. Um, I'm going to read it in both the English Standard, then I'm going to read it in New American Standard to make it a little, get the idea of the thought behind it. Here it is in English Standard. Their prince shall be one of themselves, their ruler shall come out of their midst. In the NIV it reads, their leader will be one of their own, their ruler will arise from among them. Now this is an important prophecy because it's saying that the Messiah is going to come from among the people. You see, back at that time in the first century, many people thought that the Messiah would just suddenly appear. Like what we're expecting Jesus when he comes again, he's just going to suddenly appear. Remember, the Jews were under the impression in the first century A.D. that the Messiah, the suffering Messiah, had already come and it was the land, uh, the nation of Israel was the Messiah they weren't looking for a person. That's why they missed Jesus so terribly. They didn't. They were looking for the, the second coming of what we're looking for of Jesus, the Victoria warrior judge king. And he's just going to suddenly appear. Well, they were under the impression at this point that the suffering Messiah had already come. And so they're looking for a Messiah that just suddenly appears. And we see this a couple of times in scripture where someone states that this Messiah will just suddenly appear. This is, um, that's, Well, he will. Jesus will in the second coming. But his first coming, his advent, when he came, was what? He came from among the people. This goes all the way back to Deuteronomy, when Moses makes a prophecy concerning Messiah, saying that he will come from the midst of you. Uh, God will raise up him from the midst of the people. And so he's going to be A jew he's going to be born isaiah told us that he would be born um genesis chapter 3 says that he would be born of a woman so we keep seeing that he's going to be born somehow the jews missed this and they were under the impression that the messiah would just be appearing well that's not the case this is talking about that he will arise from the people and he did he came from the tribe of judah a descendant of king david Uh, Again, blood-wise through Mary, legally through Joseph. But that's how this all played out. And when he comes again, the Jews, and as I've said this before, the Jews and us Christians are now expecting basically the same Messiah, the warrior, judge, king. And we don't know when that will happen. Then he will just appear. And that's the end of that one. So anyway, that's all there is uh, of the major prophecies dealing with Jeremiah. We finished them all. And thank you for going uh, through this lesson with me. I so enjoy coming into the studio here and just um, speaking and teaching this lesson. And hopefully when we get this all done, as I said in one of the very, very first lessons, that we're hoping to make a booklet that will go along with this. It might take us a while to, to get it in the publication, but we are planning on making a booklet on this. But hopefully you're following along as we've been doing these, and I thank you so much. So if you have questions or comments, please contact us at Evidence for Faith. We'd love to hear from you. And if I didn't make things very clear on that problem, please let me know, and I'll try uh, to contact you and, and make it a little bit more clear. But thank you so much and we thank you for your prayers, we thank you for your support. So until we meet it again, take care and God bless.
0: I hope you enjoyed that episode. A big thank you is due to our donors for making this ministry possible. Once again, you can become a donor at evidenceforfaith.org slash give. That's evidence, the number four, faith.org slash give. And help us keep this broadcast free you can also support us by sharing subscribing and leaving a review on this podcast if you would like to hear michael live you can also check out our bookings calendar at evidenceforfaith.org or book your own event with michael so this is charlotte signing off i'll see you on the next episode